starting in verse 12. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We've got kind of an, an introduction here to, to Jesus's, uh, they would call it the Galilean ministry, his, his ministry, his, his real life walking meeting people, interacting with people in, in, in Galilee. We'd probably be very challenged if, if somebody passed out a sheet, I would never do this, with just, just borders, countries, you know, an area of, of Palestine, the, the Middle East, and said, okay, fill in the blanks of, you know, where are these, these places? You know, some of them, they're, they're small. It's almost look, like looking at the New England states on our map, which can be confusing enough. You know, it's not like big states like Texas and, and California and Oklahoma. It's, it's small uh, provinces at this time of, of, of Rome. Galilee is, is north of, of Judah. North of, of you know, Judah is, is the tribe where the Jerusalem was. Uh, where the temple was, the, the central part of, of, of Israel and, and their worship of the Lord. But Galilee was, a, was kind of a, many would consider it a, a backward province. And, and there were even some even more backward cities that, that we saw, we will see, even, even Nazareth, one that, that everybody picked on Nazareth. But, but Matthew is, is giving us sort of a, uh, an, an introduction to Jesus spending time there. If you've ever looked or seen, perhaps in, in your Bible, perhaps a, a book called The Harmony of the Gospels, you'll find that, that this passage actually occurs much later than, than the temptations that we just read about. As a matter of fact, many scholars say this may be as much as a year later that, that Jesus, after the, the wilderness temptation, had spent time in, in Galilee. Then he had gone to Judea and, and spent time there. Then he returned to, to, to Galilee uh, via Samaria. And, and you have the, the story of the, of the woman who he met at the well there. You'll, you'll find most of that year that's missing between uh, Matthew 11 and Matthew 12 in, in the first four chapters of the book of John that, that John, by the Holy Spirit, wrote of, of those things. But Matthew kind of jumps. Matthew is focused more very much on the teachings of Jesus. And he's, he's going to, to jump into the biggie in chapter 5, that being the, the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe, maybe the greatest sermon uh, ever preached, uh, save what 
Charles Spurgeon said the greatest sermon by the greatest preacher was back at the end of, of chapter 3 where, where God said, this is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. That that's the, the greatest sermon by the greatest preacher, according to Charles Spurgeon. And it's how many words? One, two, three, four, five, maybe, maybe a dozen or less. Um, not to make comment on short sermons or short Sunday school lessons, but, but so, so Matthew is, 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 is giving us this introduction to Jesus' Galilean ministry. He, he had spent time in, in Judea, uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. John was arrested. It's, 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 it's probably a year after Jesus' uh, baptism and, and temptation. John was arrested for standing up to, uh, to, to one of the Herods that inherited land from, from their daddy, Herod, Herod the Great. Uh, Herod uh, Antipar had, had married his brother's, his half-brother's wife. Herodias. And John said, this is a sin. You, you should not be doing this. And, and Herod had him arrested and, and thrown in jail. And ultimately, you, you may remember the account, John the Baptist is, is beheaded. But, but at the time, John is just in prison. Jesus realizes that, you know, if the Jewish leaders really supported John, Herod wouldn't have been able to arrest him. They, they would have revolted. They would have stood up against him. But he knows that the Jewish leaders have not heeded John's message. What was John's message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They, haven't, they, they didn't heed that warning. They didn't want anything to do with this prophet. They're quite happy with their, with their rituals, their status quo, the, the, the priests charging you know, money for, for offerings, the Pharisees and their, and their rituals, their, their laws, their interpretation of the law. And, and so they, no one stands up for John. Jesus, it says, withdraws into Galilee. He goes back up north, which is, is near the the town he grew up in, not near Galilee. Nazareth is in uh, Galilee. So, so he goes back in that direction now to continue his ministry. But Matthew once again tells us this is what? To fulfill what the Lord had said and that by the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 9, uh, we, we, we read of what, um, what, what he's talking about. In, in Isaiah 9, he says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, oppressor, have been broken as on the day of Midian. 
For every boot in the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. For unto us is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the increase of his government, and there will be no end on the throne of David over his kingdom to, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When Isaiah spoke those words, 700 and some odd years before Jesus was born, Naphtali and, 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 and Zebulun, two of the, the northern ten tribes, but, the, but perhaps the most, the northernmost in geographically of those tribes. And Assyria, the, 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 the empire before the Babylonians had come down, and, and God had allowed them to uh, subject Israel, the northern ten tribes, to, to oppress them in punishment for their sin. Remember when we, when we went through uh, kings and, and, and all of the, the kings of Israel, the northern ten tribes, they had one thing in common. They were all evil, 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 idolaters. Not one good king in those, in those 12 tribes. And, and God had punished them. And so the people there, they're living in darkness, oppression uh, uh, under this Gentile reign. And, and, and they've, they've been, uh, many of them, taken to Assyria in captivity. They've, they've brought in other Gentile pagans set up their, their worship of their own gods. They've been, they're living in, 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 in darkness. We, we probably have, it's probably hard for us to understand just how bleak it was. And, 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 and Isaiah said, there's coming one. He, he's, you're going to call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Prince of Peace, and I'm going to reestablish the throne of David. And, and so Matthew, in, in relating this, shows how Jesus comes from that very area where, where, where Isaiah had prophesied that that Messiah would, would come from. So, so Jesus left when John was arrested. He goes to Nazareth, which you, you kind of wish that... that, that uh, that Matthew had written the account of how Jesus was received in, in, in Nazareth. You, you may remember it. He went there and they said, you can, you can teach that he read the scripture and, and then he, he proclaimed the word. And the, and the people were like, they were amazed. Is this not Joseph, the carpenter's son? And how can he speak so eloquently? And, and how can he speak such, such wise words? And then, then Jesus said, no prophet is is received in his own land. And he said, it's like the time of, of Elijah. There were many widows. Okay, Elijah and Elisha. And then he said, there are many widows. But, but Elijah went just to a Gentile widow. And Elisha healed the leopard. And I may have gotten those backwards. You, 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 <clears throat> we'll test that later. But, but he says, he, these great prophets, they went to Gentiles. And the people of Nazareth, his hometown, 
They, they rushed at him. They, they, they led him to this cliff to throw him off, to, to kill him. And he says that he passed right through them, that God protected the, his son, the Messiah, until the, the proper time when he would lay down his life. And so Matthew is saying, all of this is, is happening. He, he went to Nazareth. He was rejected. Then he, then he returned, or he, he moves up to Capernaum, which is on the, the north side of the Sea of, of, of Galilee, and he begins there to, to preach. He's coming out of the, 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 the region that, that Isaiah had, had, had promised, and he, he begins there to, to minister to people. And what does he preach? Verse 17, verse 17 says, from that time. So beginning then, this is, this is Matthew's account of the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He begins to preach. Tell me if you've heard this before. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the exact message that, that John the Baptist preached. It's, it's maybe a, a, a little bitty point, but, but think about it. The unity of God's word, the unity of, of God's message, it's the same, whether it was John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, or the Messiah himself. And, and that our message, you know, today, the church, I'm, I'm afraid it's been split apart, that, that different churches, different denominations all, you know, would, would focus on a different part. But the message is still the same. What is it? Repent, that, that everyone should repent. What does it mean to repent? You know, we, 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 we talked about it over and over when we, when we looked through John. But, but there's different types of repentance. There's, in, in the Bible, each time it's used. Sometimes it's used of, a, of just a desire to forsake sin or, or iniquity. To, to, to strive for a better life. But, but that sort of repentance that it's, when, when, the, when the writers are using it that way, doesn't necessarily mean a salvation type of, of repentance. That it's just like, well, I'm sorry, I've got to do better. Maybe one based on sort of a legalistic uh, view of the law. I've, I'm, I'm doing this. I need to stop doing that. But, but the, the primary message that first John and, and now Jesus is, is preaching is a saving conversion type of, 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 of repentance, one that, that is a sorrow for sin, but, but also one that leads to faith in, in, in Jesus. And then it's followed, that's followed by a, a, a way of life that's a definitive act of turning from sin. And, and, and literally, repent means to, to turn, to, to, to do a, a best analogy that I think I've ever heard that, that sunk into my mind is to, to the rear march, that you're marching this way and you turn and you go the other way. It's not an about face because you're moving. You're moving away from God and, and, and contrary to his word and his, his, his uh, commandments, but also his, his direction. And you just turn and go back the, the, the other way. And so you're, it's, it's, it's one of motion. And then there's also a, a, a repentance that's sort of a revival for believers. That's the one we want to get rid of, Maybe. Or that's the one maybe we don't, we don't concentrate on enough. 
after, after one has received Jesus as their Savior, each and every one of us is going to continue to sin. And that, yes, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross paid the penalty for that sin, but we still have to, uh, to be sorrowful for that sin, to repent, to turn from that sin, to ask God's forgiveness for that sin as, as well. And it just seems like maybe we're, we're more focused on that, that first repentance. We remember when we repented and received Christ as our Savior, but I think, I think more, more often we look at other people and say, that person really needs to know the gospel, and, and that's true, but we, we many times forget that every day I should repent of, 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 of the sin that I have, have uh, committed in, in that day. You know, as, as we get into the, the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see that those are not always acts with our hands, our feet, but they can be our thoughts as well that, that we need to repent. So Jesus comes, he, from that time on, he began to, to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's in an, he's in an area that's, that's not maybe what the Jews would have expected. He's in Galilee you know, a, a lesser Jewish area. There are Gentiles all around, but, but he's, he's starting there to preach this, this, this message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's near. It is, it is beginning. God's kingdom on earth is beginning with, with Jesus and his, his actions, his life there. Matthew gives us Okay, let me back up. One more thing, Re repentance. I, I, I found this note, and it's, it, it's really kind of interesting. They said that, that the, repentance is the word that the Reformation really turned on, the Protestant, Protestant Reformation, that it, was, that it was key, it was vital to the, the just in Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and all of the, the reformers there in the 16th century that, that as, they, uh, as they, cho they, they sought to reform the Roman Catholic Church. And, and then they, they, they eventually pulled away because Rome would not uh, accept what they were saying. They said that the primary translation of the Bible in those days, 16th century Europe, was Latin, the, the Latin Vulgate. And that... that the Vulgate translated that, that word repentance as penance. And, and so that there was the, the priest, the church developed this total misunderstanding of, of what was needed that, that repent is to turn to God for mercy. Penance is to do something to pay for your sins. There is nothing we can do to pay for our sins. But fortunately, God has already taken care of that. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. So, so that the, 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 the Reformation hinged on that. Repent, turn to God for mercy because you can't do it. And, and, and that they're, by their mistranslating it, penance led to paying penance, you know, whether it was 
you know, saying so many Hail Marys or, or putting so much money in the, in the coffers, which was a biggie of, you know, pay this and you'll receive forgiveness, but that it was, in fact, it's nothing that, that we can do, but that, that we turn to God. And so Jesus began to, to do that. Just like in, in, in those first five verses, Matthew kind of, kind of skips, he doesn't really skip over it, but he, 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 he consolidates it because he's moving to this, this great teaching of Jesus. In verses 18 through 22, we have the call of, of some of his first disciples and, and, and John and Luke and expand on that, tell us more about it. He says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and, and their father and followed him. That, that John, in, in his gospel, gives us uh, a, 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 a bigger of account. It's, it would not have been impossible but, but that they had already spent time with Jesus. You know, they had already met him. As a matter of fact, James or Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And that they're there one day and, and Jesus is coming and John the Baptist tells his disciples, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and Andrew said he, he went and followed Jesus. And he, but first he went and got his brother Peter. Remember that account that, he, that he, he went and got Peter? We found the Messiah. And so that they had, they had met him before, gone back to their work, but now Jesus is calling them to be full-time disciples. And it was, it was a very common uh, method of, of teaching that the rabbis in those days would, would have students but the difference was the students would, it's almost like getting into college. They would send in their application to the rabbi and say, hey, you know, look at me. And, and, you know, can I be one of your students? Jesus picks his disciples by name and individually, and he still does that. That he still extends that invitation to follow me to us individually. To, to each person. It's, it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And though this was 2,000 years ago, that it's still today a one-on-one, person-to-person relationship. So he's walking by the sea and he sees first this, this one set of brothers, Simon, who he changes his name to Peter, and his brother Andrew. He says, follow me. And they, they immediately throw down their nets and they follow him. And, and then he keeps going and he sees two other brothers, James and John, and, and their daddy, Zebedee, they're in the boat uh, mending their nets. <clears throat> he calls to them. They do the same thing, that they leave the boat and their father and they, and they follow Jesus. Some, some commentaries say that because they owned a boat, they were upper middle class. They were, uh, you know, probably pretty well off. And, and yet, here they decide they've, they know Jesus, they've, they've met him before, they've, they've heard some of his teachings, and they immediately forget it, 
forget this lucrative fishing business that we have. We're following Jesus. And, and that, 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 that they left everything and, and, and followed him. The forerunner's work is done, John the Baptist. And now it's time for, for the king to make his appearance and for him to, to start uh, growing his d disciples and those that will, that will follow him. It says he's going to make them fishers of men, which, which kind of goes back to, a, to another uh, prophecy or, or another account from Jeremiah chapter 16 in, in verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people out of the land of Israel, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country, out of all the countries where he had driven them. So he says, no longer is it going to be the Lord brought us up out of Egypt. Now it's going to be the Lord brought us from the north country, meaning Assyria, Babylon, that he's, that he's brought back his people. Remember, they had been in, been in exile. And he says, For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, this is Jeremiah 16, 16. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord. They shall catch them. And afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, every hill, and out of the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is the iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols, and have filled my inheritance inheritance with their abominations. That, that Jeremiah prophesying while Israel is going to Babylon says that God is going to return the nation from that captivity. And, and that some even a hundred years before had gone to Assyria. And that God is going to send fishers and the, the ultimate is, is, is Jesus coming as the, the, the Messiah and He's sending fishermen. What, what, do we, what do we see in his, in his call to them? He, he summons them. He, he calls them. He says, follow me. That it's, that it's, that it's, that it's God. It's the Holy Spirit that initiates that call, that, that summons. But what else does he do after that? Where are they going to get their um, instruction or their, their method. Okay, I'd rather give you the answer than try to come up with a, a question that's going to induce the, the, the answer. He, he says, I'm going to equip you. He says, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say that, that you've got to learn how to fish on your own, but that he is going to do the equipping. I mean, it's, it's it, as if you took a job and think of something that is totally opposite of what your natural strengths are. I mean, some people, like John was telling us this morning, his, his brother could do anything with his hands. So if you're somebody that can do anything with your hands, then think about, um, okay, learn a foreign language 
or maybe you're, you know, more of a, a, a literary learning, then think of something just the total opposite, that, that we have this guy at work. We, we don't even let him touch a two-wheeler. I mean, it's, there's something bad's going to happen. But, but think about starting that kind of job, and then, but you're left on your own. Jesus is not, he's saying, I will make you fishers of men. You know, follow me and I am going to teach you. It's one of the hardest things maybe for us 2,000 years later to, to, to allow God to do in our lives, to teach us to be fishers of men. Why? I think it's because we play hooky. I think it's because we don't, we don't make ourselves available for whatever means, you know. That it, that it could be talking to somebody who is, who is good at it. I, I've met probably more than two, but, but two guys just stand out in, in my uh, background that I met who were like, they're not famous, but they were world-class fishers of men. Um, one of them, his name was Mike, he would go in, wherever he was, he always had tracks. And, 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 and wherever he was, he was casting that line. And if it was in a restaurant, he'd say, hey, we're, we're going to leave, we're going such and such, but I want to leave this with you because it changed my life. And it was just a little track, you know, that, that, that he was planting seeds. And sometimes it might be, I, it might have been that that person that got it, that the seeds had already been planted, and they're like, I've been thinking about this. And he would share with them the gospel. Uh, another guy that I worked with, that he, he, he didn't berate people, but he constantly was able to turn the, the conversation to whatever. He was very sensitive to, uh, to, to somebody's personal uh, life, what was going on. You know, and, and, and so he, would, he was able to share the gospel by listening to them and, and, and saying, you know, it's not just about bills and finance and, and, and this. There's, there's more to life than that. We're all created in the image of God, and God wants to have a relationship with us, but sin has, has driven a wedge into that. And, and so you can, we can learn by observing others. And then also there are, you know, hundreds of books that, you know, how can I be a better fisher for men or, or, or women? And I think it's that we just play hooky. I could never do that. But Jesus told the disciples he's, he's going to make them fishers of men. And then he commissions them. You know, the, the last words that Matthew records in, in chapter 28, he says, all power and authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. Go, or as you go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and I am with you always. So, so Matthew concludes what he's trying to, to show us in, 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 in the entire book with, with Jesus' last words, teaching them to observe all I've commanded, but make disciples. I'm, I'm equipping you 
to, to make disciples, to be fishers of, of men. And then he concludes with, with just a uh, one, two, three verses of sort of a summary of what's going on. You know, that you can, you can read uh, John, the first four chapters, and, and get kind of a preliminary of before this. Then you can read uh, Luke in, in, in chapter 5. He gives kind of a uh, more involved account, more detailed account of, of how Jesus called these, these brothers. Remember, they're, they're out fishing. He, 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 he calls to them. They take him out in the boat. And then he says, throw your nets over on this side. And, and they said, Master, we've been fishing all night. We hadn't caught anything. We're tired. We're ready to, to, to go home, and we'll try again some other day. But at your bidding, we will throw it. So they, they throw the nets out, and, and, and the, the nets are so full, they're, they're bursting. It's going to capsize the boat, and they have to call the other boat to come in. Uh, and, and, and Peter then, you know, falls down and says, you know, leave me. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. And so either at, you know, at that account or maybe the next day that Jesus is walking and he sees those brothers and they, and they follow him. And in verse, starting in verse 23 or continuing in verse 23, have sort of another summary of his Galilean ministry. It says, He went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread through, throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the, the Jordan. So Jesus goes through all of, of, of Galilee. You know, how, how big is, is, is Galilee? It's, it's around... 2,800 square miles. It's it's uh, just just depending. Different different scholars give different dimensions for the for the the, the nation. Maybe maybe 70 feet north and south, 40 feet wide. Some say 80. He goes all over this, not by bus, but just walking, and, and so. Word spreads. It says all of Syria. Syria at that time would, would include Palestine, the, the Roman province of, of Syria that included Judea and, and Galilee. Sometimes it's, it's only the, 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 the north part, Galilee, and what we would know as Syria today. But that word spreads. Even back to, to Jerusalem, it says, great crowds follow him. Why are they following him? I mean, he's healing diseases, which, which later he, he, he uses that to reassure John the Baptist that he is indeed the Messiah. You know, a, a, another prophecy that, that Isaiah had prophesied that the lame will walk, the blind will, will uh, receive their sight, but that these, these great crowds follow him because of what he can do physically. And, and if we were those people, we probably would have done the same thing. But, but, but Jesus, when he calls those most 
um, intimate, those closest disciples, does it in a, in a, in a sense, in a, in a way that he's like, I got more for you to do. It's, it's to be fishers of men. That he came out of Zebulun and Naphtali to people in great darkness. Look at, at our headlines. If, if, you, um, if you still get one of those, it's paper about this big. You fold it, called a newspaper. You remember those? <laughs> and, and just look at the headlines and, and look at the, the things that are going on, whether it's with cartels in, you know, past our southern border, but have encroached beyond our southern border, or if it's Ukraine or the, or the Middle East or China or wherever, nothing there has changed. People are still in this great darkness in trying to solve problems ourselves. And, and Jesus came to bring great light. And, and eventually the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and when he comes again and that kingdom is set up forever and ever and ever, then, then the, the reign of God, the rule of God will, will be uh, complete and fulfilled and, and, and final. But until then, I, I think the message is what? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is, is, is at hand. It says there's... there's you know, sinners that need to, to grasp God's mercy and receive Christ, but also believers that need to repent of the things, the worldly things that we have, have come to do. And that Jesus came, we, we see he's making disciples and that when he leaves, he tells those disciples to make disciples, you know, teaching them baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them that, that, you know, the things that, that I have commanded you. Paul spoke of, of repentance in 2 Corinthians 7. He said, godly repentance, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I mean, most people are, you know, they do things, they say things, and, and they're sorry for it. But that's where it ends. They're, they're you know, maybe even remorseful. But, but that Paul's saying that, that godly repentance, that, that godly remorse, it, grief, it, it leads to salvation because we realize my sin is against the one and only holy God, and I can't do anything about it except turn to Him and, and receive Christ in, in faith. We're going to start next week, chapter 5. In my Bible, the outline, it says, the Sermon on the Mount, and I know you've heard of that. But before we do that and, and leave... Tell me what I missed in this. Tell me, did, did, do you see anything else that, what do we learn about God and how can we, we apply this to our lives in, in these uh, 14 
so verses. As someone who likes to fish, I appreciate all the fish filters in the Bible. I hate to lose gear. And I've lost a ton, as you can verify this. Poles, lures, nets, even a boat one. But uh, I'm really uh, struck by they immediately left their gear and their boats and their father and their nets and loved Jesus more than those things. And I was thinking about as you were talking, it's because he started a pretty good guide service. Good point. When I get home, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to steal that the next time I, you know. They didn't care about the gear they were leaving behind. It's, I mean, it's that kind of impact that, that Jesus has on lives. Yeah, that's very good. There was a, a church sign, you know, everybody's seen them, marquees out in front of churches, and they put um, they put things up there. What, what would you call it? Just motivational or, or you know, little, little short blurb. But one of them that, that a writer said, he said that, it, that the sign said, Be ye fishers of men. You catch them, he'll clean them, you know. <laughs> That, that, that. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll go. Father, we thank you that you sent your son into the, the world of darkness that any who would look to that light would receive your salvation. And God, we realize that, that each and every one of us, that you've, you've left us a responsibility to, to be fishers of men, but that you're the one who equips us. So God, just e equip us to do your work, whether we're just baiting hooks or, or what we're doing, knowing that the, the completion of the work is, is all done by you. God, may we be faithful to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.